Our guest for this episode has an extensive background in service management, from owning many processes in smaller organizations to focusing on just a few in larger organizations, like his current company, Best Buy. Welcome to Ticket Volume, news and information for improving IT experiences, powered by Invigate. Dan Aragon, welcome to Ticket Volume. Thanks for joining. Let's get started right away by talking about your experience. So you recently came from a shop where you owned a ton of processes. What were some of the challenges and benefits of owning such a broad swath of service processes? Well, I think the benefits are, you know, it's a bit more autonomous, right? It's a little bit easier to make direction changes when you've got the whole team under the same umbrella. That's pretty much um, the the big ones. That, and there's definitely like an increased level of responsibility when that happens too, because you really have to look out for everything and you know making sure you're making the right decisions on that. I think that's a good summary. Basically, you don't have to depend so much on org change. You can kind of own a lot of the inter-process dependencies, right? Yeah, for sure. So would you say that there were some challenges in that? Like what sort of restrictions did you find then? Is it all about volume of change and being able to actually do that? Yeah, well, I don't know if it's a restriction, but it's definitely a different way of managing. Like you can't afford to get into all the details. And so you're really relying on your teams heavily to make sure that they're making the right decisions. And it's kind of hard too, because you you want, I don't know, for me anyways, I want to kind of dive in, right? I want to make sure, because I have my own kind of ideas of how I want things. And so you have to convey that to the team to make sure that they're carrying out the things that you're hoping to, them to, to do. And then sort of a double check to make sure that we're involving the right people, asking the right questions, all of those things. And so, yeah, I'd say it's just a different level of management is all. Scaling governance. Yeah. And they weren't small companies, but they're smaller companies. And so it's different, the politics behind that too. And the pressure really is all on you. So, um, <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, it's definitely challenging, especially when you have the operational area. Like I had operational pieces too. It wasn't just ITSM process focus. It was the, we were on the hook for the day-to-day change management, but also I had all the incident management pieces too. And so I didn't have the individual support areas or the service desk functions in either of those places, but I had the the major incident process and, and that. So it comes with a lot of distractions, right? And, and yeah. then your day doesn't really end with your day, as you know, right? You have a lot of good intentions going into that day and it may just veer off if, you know, if an MI hits and you have to go, you know, spin up a bridge and make sure that um, you're getting things restored. And that could happen anytime. I have always despised interrupt driven work. It just drives me nuts, you know? Yeah. So do you have any advice for someone who'd be in a similar situation? Like they're owning incident management, they're trying to run the service organization as well as service management and like trying to put in governance and maturity? Yeah. So in those, in both those places, there's a certain level of maturity that they needed to get to where then I could start to back off on those things. So I don't need to be on every bridge call, especially towards the end of my last role. We did a lot of groundwork to put in the right processes, get the right people, set the right expectations with areas, and you get the right you know people in there that can really run with it. And then you feel a lot better of being able to back off. I would get involved if 
things were elongated or things were kind of stalling or if there was a decision to be made, things like that. That's a lot easier uh, to manage while you're managing the rest of the things and just knowing that your team's got, you know, they've, they've got it taken care of. Yeah. I love that. You know, it's it's autonomy, surrounding yourself with good people that you can trust, and then handling out leers from there. I love that. Great, great advice. So yeah. transitioning to your current role, where you own change and configuration management at Best Buy now, what's the major difference between the two shops? Do you see similarities? Are the challenges changing? Are they different? Are they kind of the same? Yeah, definitely different. The maturity level is much different. And and that's the big thing too. You have to be very aware of what's needed. So you'll have some companies where they just really need to get to some of the basic stuff. Like they are struggling with some of the very basic things. And it could be even as simple as setting the right expectations. I've been at places where you can't get upset at people that aren't following what you're expecting them to do for not setting the same expectations across the board. You know, especially as you bring people on new, it's like, well, how do they even know what the expectations are around, let's say, incident management? If you don't really have anything documented anywhere, the questions that I was asking, like, where is that documented? It's like, well, it's not really. We had a PowerPoint presentation like three years ago. So that was like the best form of documentation they had. It's like, all right, well, let's get this kind of organized. And and so here, you know, at the current role, it's not anything like that. It's, we're trying to get things to the next level of, you know, we've got a pretty well-established organization around those processes and, and people know what they're doing. Very, very, very good engineers and and others that are working um, in these areas. And now it's a question of how do we enable those processes to work quickly, right? And especially Mm. like the change management space, we've got a lot of really great level of, you said it before, autonomy. Mm -hmm. Those product teams that they know, they've got really good ways of executing. The issues that they have are not related. We have a fairly low amount of MIs caused by change. Oh, great. I mean, it's there. It's, it's not, it's, it's, it happens, but when you compare the volume of stuff that's happening, the volume of changes that are going on, the rarity of it is is pretty impressive. And so that's when you can start to get into those next areas of like, okay, well, you know, we do a good job. How do we make things go quicker? And how do we make things easier? And how do we pull pull away some of that overhead that we don't need because we've got that stuff built in already? But so we're talking about change automation. How do we embed that into the pipeline of delivery? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what I'm really hoping for is that we have the folks that are delivering, that they are able to stay within the, their core sets of tools. And then that we just kind of push out to our operation service management tools, all the things that they need. So they're not having to paste things. Yeah, swivel seat. You know, do things that aren't really core to their job, and 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 we get all the the things that we need from operational side and from a change control piece. You know, around audit and all those things that we're we still have some of that too. That makes a lot of sense. You're at a major tech retailer; they're pushing boundaries. You know, the the engineering and app dev teams they need to accommodate to e-commerce trends and and retail trends, and so you're trying to to build rapid change without increasing overhead by by integrating into their pipeline and integrating into their workflow. That's fantastic. Yeah. And and we're not there yet. We still have some um, technical things we need to do okay. first to get us to that base level where we can start 
enabling that stuff. If you're waiting on a change record to come across your queue for approval, and that's the first time you've heard about it, you know, if we want to be making changes quickly, those things are just going to be coming faster and faster, and they're going to be in smaller pieces, you know, probably. That's going to be really difficult to solve for if we don't think about the people that need to approve should have already known about that in the planning phase, right? The change record should just then be almost a formality at that point because they're already aware of what's coming and they're already engaged in the planning and, and all that stuff. And so that's really that, that DevOps piece coming together. I love that. I love the idea of service management being, it's almost like a microservice serving DevOps in a way, like the way that you describe it is perfect. Keep them in the tools that they love and know. And we just end up being like in the background, we're just serving them. Where, where do you see bottlenecks? Do you see challenges with this, with this rapid change of pace? Well, like I said, I think the biggest thing that worries me is that is the people component and the operational side of having to support the things that are being developed. And so that's probably the thing that I'm most concerned about. I think technically, like we can enable all this stuff technically. It's not too hard. You get the right engineers to sync your systems together and you can just go, but it doesn't really mean that's going to be real successful. I think you're going to have a lot of stress then, especially on the operation side that, you know, the dev team is like, they're ready for it. You know, they're like, yeah. it's, we're ready to crank stuff out. And then the operation side has to support it and security and all the other teams that are needing to make sure that they understand what is happening and going in and all of that. And so it's a bigger thing than just hooking systems together and automating. It's like, we have to really think about how this is going to work from a people perspective and how we work together. So that's a good perspective. And I can see how your last roles really are going to serve that need to understand how this impacts operations and to figure out ways to to scale that. It'll be interesting to see. I would love to follow up with you and see if you've made progress in, in this regard, you know, in a few months and just say like, you know, how's ops doing? Are they keeping up with the change? Because that this, I think, is not an uncommon problem. I think that as, as teams embrace DevOps and as engineering teams need service management to scale up, it'll be interesting to see what levers people pull to get more of the ops thinking into that engineering work and, yeah. and have that flow down as fast as the changes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'd be happy to. I think it's going to be a fun journey. I think it's like this merging or coming together of these two areas that really, you know, you're trying to break down that wall. And I think it's going to be exciting. I think uh, it's totally the right thing to do. And the organization's given a lot of autonomy back over the years. And again, I think it's that maturity level um, growing that you can do that. And I've started at the beginnings of those in some places, right? And and now to be in an area where they've gone along that journey for a long time, now we're ready for that next step. I'm really excited to really deliver something. What I want to do this year, we've got some fundamental things we have to do system-wise to get us to enable that. My goal for for us is to deliver something that's significantly new uh, this year in that space. I'm not sure how big or small it's going to be, but we'll get something completed in an area if it's just sort of a pilot of something or if it's bigger than that. But I'm really excited to get going on that. 
Cool. Well, I hope you keep track of it so you can tell your incredible story. I'm sure we'll see you at a conference eventually, if, <laughs> if you want. So usually at this point, I ask people to plug you know, themselves if they want. Yeah. You're already busy. You probably don't want people contacting you. <laughs> but so like, what would you plug? Where do you go to learn stuff? Are you hiring? Are you looking for roles? I would just say if anyone had any questions, reach out to me on LinkedIn, message me there. I, that's probably an, an easy way to get a hold of me. I'm always looking to help. And if anyone has any questions on anything that they're kind of struggling with, I'm happy to, to help someone out um, because a lot of people have helped me out over the years. That's very generous of you, Dan. <laughs> very, very generous. Thank you for joining today. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Matt. And to our audience, thanks for hitting play. I'll see you around the way. This edition of Ticket Volume brought to you by Invigate. Better experiences, better IT. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platforms. And we'll see you on the next episode of Ticket Volume.